0: We're already in our summer schedule, so we've got people coming in and out of town quite a bit, and right now we have a lot of people down with different sicknesses or injuries that normally work in our nursery. And so uh, the nursery schedule, our our list of nursery workers, we were working on this yesterday, uh, has been basically cut in half, uh, which is tough going into the summer anyway. And so Uh, If you don't normally work in the nursery, but you're a member and you're a lady and you would like to work in the nursery, uh, if you'd be willing to help us just once a month, that would be a blessing. And so what we've done is I've instructed the nursery workers, we put up a nursery schedule this month that has uh, four spots on it where we could use some help. And so there's a couple uh, spots on Sunday night, uh, next Sunday night and the 16th Sunday night we could use some help. We also have a few spots on next Sunday morning and then the 16th. If, you, if somebody could help us with that, we'd appreciate it. Like I said, just people in and out of town, and then we've got people down with sickness and some are injured that make it difficult for them to work in the nursery right now. And so if you would help us with that, we'd appreciate it. What happens is uh, we've got wonderful lady workers that will just fill in all the time, and next thing you know, we've got one or two or three ladies missing so much church you know they're they're constantly here, but they're never in church, and that's not good for them. And uh, and and so, uh, please help us with that. There is a nursery schedule in the nursery. I think there's one down on the main bulletin board, and I'll keep this up here to remind me about that. If not, if that doesn't work out, we'll just start turning the men loose down there. And uh, imagine Brother Pash in the nursery. What's wrong with you? What's the matter with you? You know have a brother Ethan down there like I'm not cleaning that up ain't gonna happen you know and so uh you ladies are our gifts from the Lord with that so if you'd help us with that check the schedule uh, we sure would appreciate it <clears throat> and we'll get through the summer and get some people back healthy and and we'll be fine all right Micah the book of Micah chapter 6 I'm just going to read one verse and then give you some context with Micah and an interesting message this morning that I think will be real, a real blessing to many of the Christians here in the room. Uh, Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. If you look at the scripture, Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, let's read it together. The Word of God says, He has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. And let's pray. Lord, thanks for this powerful verse. We love the Bible, and it's verses like this that become guiding lights in our in our life here on earth. And I pray that for those who this verse is new to them, that it would become very special to them and help them throughout their lifetime. For those that are familiar with this verse, uh, but perhaps have... have uh, not visited it in a while may it just be fresh and new and help us apply it in a way that that is very helpful and practical for this week in 2019 and for the rest of our lives until we see you So, please holy spirit of god give me the words to say speak to our hearts if there's anybody here that's not sure they're saved i pray today would be the day of their salvation we pray all this in the mighty name of jesus amen and you may be seated. <clears throat> the book of Micah is a wonderful little book. It's actually quoted quite often uh, or several times in the New Testament uh, and even once in the Old Testament. And so a, a wonderfully powerful book. The Lord Jesus even quoted it. Uh, it's quoted about the, uh, the birth of Christ and so wonderful truth there. We won't have to take time to get into all that, but let me give you a little background of the book of Micah as we consider the truth this morning. Micah was a Judean prophet from uh, the southwest portion of Israel. If you remember, the the nation of Israel was divided into two parts. There was the northern kingdom, and then there was the southern kingdom, and Judah was the southern kingdom. Micah was a prophet called by God to speak on behalf of God, and he actually prophesied during the reigns of three different kings jotham ahaz and hezekiah and i say that to tell you that that this man went through different changes uh, cultural changes spiritual challenges as he was preaching if you study the the historical books of the old testament uh, kings and chronicles you see that jotham was a pretty good king he did a lot of things right but he never removed the high places from israel The high places would be like groves, and they would take little hills or or little mountains, and they would build up mounds, and they would let trees and plant trees on top of that, and they would worship their gods in the groves. Sometimes they would even worship the Lord in the groves rather than going to the temple. And the high places are a sign of self-willed worship. I'm not going to worship God the way He told me to. I'm going to worship God the way I want to. And that's why oftentimes in the Old Testament you see the Bible saying they didn't, they didn't remove the high places or they didn't remove the groves. And so uh, he was a good king, but there was a lot of self-willed worship during his reign. King Ahaz was a wicked king, and he did a lot of things wrong. And he actually had a pro-Assyrian foreign policy. Assyria, was the, uh, th- they were the enemies of the Israelites, And during his reign, the northern kingdom was taken captive, and he did a lot of bad. Hezekiah was a pretty good king. Matter of fact, by many aspects, one of the best kings that Israel ever had uh, for most of his reign. Now, he got a little bit off track towards the end, and God did a miracle in his life, and he got off track at the the end of his life. Uh, But he was a pretty good king. Uh, and he was anti-Assyrian, so his predecessor was pro-Assyrian, and he was anti-Assyrian. He was pushing back and fighting against the enemies of God. And uh, these policies led to the siege of Jerusalem by uh, uh, Sennacherib. And so if, you, if you're familiar with the Old Testament historical books, you'll know all of that. This was a dark time in uh, Israel, and, but God wrought victories and delivered uh, Judea from the Assyrians. And so I say all that to to just remind you that these were difficult days that Micah was prophesying in. Uh, What we see in the book of Micah is we see that the, the poor, especially in much of the country, they were harassed by the enemy, they were exploited by the rich, they were taken advantage of by their rulers, and they were distracted by the message of the false prophets. Does that sound like any country you know of? (laughs) Right? It's almost like America today. And let me show you a few things here in Micah chapter 2, and we'll get just a background of the book as we see what Micah was dealing with as we lead up to this key verse, Micah 6, 8, and we make our application. So Micah chapter 2, verse 1, Woe to them that devise iniquity and work evil upon their beds. So these are people, they're so wicked that they're, they're not only doing wrong, they're enjoying planning doing wrong. They lay in bed at night going to sleep thinking of how they can accomplish more evil. All right? uh, when the morning is light, they practice it because it is in the power of their hands. So remember, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so when people get power, now what is restraining them from doing wrong? Uh, that's why the law is important. That's why godliness is important. That's why our, uh, you know, our founding fathers told us that the American a system of government was only made for a moral people. It's the laws of God that restrain rulers from doing wrong and the laws, the checks and balances. But boy, you get out of that. That's why you see all over the world, despots and tyrants and all through history. Well, you give someone power, and especially if they don't have any morals, and boy, bad things happen. All right, look at verse 2. And they covet fields. You ever notice that people that have stuff, it's never enough? You know, how much is enough? And, and take them by violence. You know, in a lot of countries, it's the guy with the biggest guns wins. It's the, it's the gang with the most thugs. They, they get whatever they want. And so you see the state of, of parts of Israel right now are just rampant with problems uh, and houses and take them away. So they oppress a man and his house, even a man and his heritage. Verse 3, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, against this family do I devise evil from which ye shall not remove your necks, neither shall ye go haughtily, for this time is evil. So God's pronouncing judgment against the individuals that are acting this way, but He also talks about the time, that this time, this moment in history was evil. There was a lot of chaos. And then we see, if you look in chapter 3, We see the rulers were also taking advantage of, of the common people. And I said, here I pray you, chapter 3, verse 1, Here I pray you, O heads of Jacob and ye princes of the houses of Israel, is it not for you to know judgment? You're supposed to be the people that know judgment. You were put in charge to make sure things are okay. You, if anybody should know the rules, you should. But look at verse 2, Who hate the good and love evil who pluck off their skin from off them and their flesh from off their bones, who also eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them, and they break their bones and chop them in pieces as for the pot and the flesh within the cauldron. He said, you're treating my people like cattle. You're, you're devouring them like food. Verse 4, then shall they cry unto the Lord, but he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them at that time as they have behaved themselves ill in their doings. So the Bible here is pronouncing judgment on the evil rulers. You're taking advantage of my people. They're crying out for mercy, and you're not giving it to them. Well, when you cry out for mercy, I'm not going to give you any either. And eventually judgment was pronounced upon them. All right, then we see the message of the false prophets. Look at, at verse 5, Micah chapter 3, verse 5. Thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets that make my people err. Now, wait a minute. The prophets were supposed to point people to God. But here we find the prophets making people to err or to go into error through their false message. All right, thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets which make my people err that bite with their teeth and cry, Peace. And he that putteth not into their mouths, they even prepare war against him. And so you see the false prophet, man, they were saying, Hey, everything's okay. Everything wasn't okay. They were saying, Oh, that's not a sin, but it was a sin. They were saying, hey, you're you're just just deal with this when it wasn't okay," And so oftentimes false prophets have always caused people to err. And I'll tell you, you could take a snapshot of this and and look around our world and you see all this craziness. And uh, we live in a day of such chaos, even in America. You know, there just seems to be such chaos. It's like people are playing by different sets of rules You've got different groups that, that they're not playing by the, the same rules. And, and when I look at Micah and I see the condition of Judah at the time, we find many reasons for God's people to be discouraged, angry, and depressed. That's right. Amen. Micah encouraged the people of God to rise above the drama of the day. Now, how did they rise above the drama of the day? Micah 6 eight, and we'll get there in a minute. Consider the problem that we face today in 2019. We live in a day of information overload, right? 24-hour news cycles pump our heads full of problems, fears, injustices, and troubles, not just from our country, but from around the world. Uh, you know, can I just tell you something? Bad news gets good ratings, the news companies are not trying to encourage you. They're trying to grab your attention. That's why every 5 minutes, news alert. The president's getting on the airplane. Look, what what? News alert the stock market fell 50 points. It's like everything is an alert. Everything is chaos. Everything, Iran's doing this. We're going to go to war with Iran. Well, not really. North Korea's going to kill us all. Well, not really. And, and it's a, the stock market's going to crash. Well, it, it bounced back. I mean, it's like all this time is just shock and awe and grabbing your attention. And Man, we just, we're just getting whipped around in this mess, like standing in a hurricane, just getting whipped back and forth with information overload. You think of entertainment which is no longer entertainment as much as it is like preaching and social this and that. Every uh, song you listen to just about, every show on TV has some message, has something they're trying to cram into your head and change you. And by the way, they're very open about this. They're open about what they're trying to accomplish. We think of social media, uh, and it, it brings the world to your pocket, And although social media has the potential to do an awful lot of good, most of the content on social media is not uplifting or edifying. It's discouraging and depressing and frustrating. I don't know how many times I I try to be on there a little bit just because there's people on there and several years ago the Lord challenged me. I wasn't on anything and I'd really just quit because I hate it. I hate the, I got my hands full with me, amen, and our church and but the Lord encouraged me. He said, you're, you're complaining about it. We'll put some good stuff on there. Because unfortunately, there's decent people on there and people looking for truth. So I get on there occasionally, and I do some writing online, and and I try to, to be on there a little bit. But, man, it's just like right here. I'll, I'll be on there for a few days, and I'll be off for a few days, and I'll, I'll post some stuff, and I'll check on some people. And then I, get, I need a break. And uh, uh, it's, it's just chaos. Most of it's not uplifting. I don't know how many times I've gone on there and seen a post, and I'm like, ugh. I never check it before I go to bed, ever. I usually don't look at it after like 7 o'clock at night because I need to go to sleep, right? I don't watch the news before I go to bed uh, because I don't want to sit there and they they convince me the world's falling apart and we're all going to die and a good night. You know, you turn the light off and you're laying there in the dark going, Lord, are we okay? I just don't do it. And so we, you see these problems. Uh, everywhere we see there's conflict, debate, strife, foolish questions, false doctrine, compromise. And it's frustrating for all of us. By the way, most of those things are things God told us to stay away from. All right? So what, what's the answer? And I think today in 2019 that we have the same answer that God gave Micah, and, and, and the Judeans through Micah 1300 years ago, the answer is the same. And the answer is in Micah 6 8. Here's my message for, for this morning. Uh, and it's a, it's a very simple message how to defeat the drama and live for God, or how to rise above the drama and live for God. You know, there are people trying to suck you into their chaos. People trying to, you can get pulled into that well of that that gravitational pull of their chaos and their problems and their frustrations. And you've got your hands full with you. I mean, you're trying to to live and, and pay the bills and put a roof over your head and, and food in people's bellies and keep clothes on your back and pay the bills and go to church and live for God. We're fighting the world, the flesh and the devil. We've got problems in our community and in our state and in our region. I mean, why in the world we we get over-flooded? Uh, we, we overflow with everybody else's chaos and we get sucked into the drama. Well, I'm encouraging you today that we can follow the truth of Micah 6, 8, rise above the chaos and still live for God, even though there's chaos going on all around us. All right, look at Micah 6, 8. And I love this verse. This verse became special to me as a, as a bus kid riding a bus to church many years ago. Uh Two of our most prominent bus workers, Brother Bo, drove the bus, and he was the bus captain. And a Miss Tina was his daughter. And she didn't get married, I think, until in her 30s. She just gave her heart to the Lord. She worked in the Christian school. She worked in the ministry all the time. God later gave her a a good man, and they ended up having a daughter, and and uh, she's been very sick with diabetes and different things. And, but just uh, I love Miss Tina. And she used to get up and, and sing songs on the bus. And one of the songs she taught us was Micah 6.8. And she used to love this verse. <clears throat> and uh, he has showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. And I still remember up there singing. And any time she was going to teach the bus kids a new song, she would get a poster board and write it out. And I see her up there in the front of the verse, the front of the bus, and the, the song just went like this. He has showed thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. And then the whole bus would sing it. And I just used to love that song. And, This verse, so many times, when when I get bogged down in my life or there just seems to be too much chaos and I really can't sense, I begin to lose a sense of maybe what God wants me to do. Uh, Well, this verse tells me He showed you what to do. Right? And any of us can do this. Now, this doesn't answer the big questions of where we're to live and and what we're supposed to, to do with our life as far as vocation, but how am I supposed to live today? It answers that. How am I supposed to live tomorrow? It answers that. And it gives us three things that God wants each of us to do every day. And that is do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with thy God. And I'm telling you, this works for you. And this this guiding light will, will be... Uh, able to lift you out of that fog and, and be that that lighthouse in the chaos when you just can 't seem to see and you begin to lose your way well i don 't know i don 't have all the answers, but I know what i 'm supposed to do today i 'm supposed to do justly and to love mercy and walk humbly with god and i can do that i can 't affect what 's going on in the middle east i can 't affect what 's going on in washington today i can't. i can 't uh, fix all the world 's problems but I can Do justly, uh, love mercy, and walk humbly with my God. You see how it just becomes that that wonderful truth that keeps us on track. So let me just cover these things very quickly. First of all, do justly. Well, what does the word justly mean? It means according to truth and facts. It means honestly, fairly, with integrity. Think about that. We ought all strive to have integrity. Now, that's a word you don't hear about anymore, is it? When's the last time you heard a, boy, I'd love to have politicians with integrity. I'd love to have bosses with integrity. I'd love to have community leaders with integrity. Even pastors and, and Christians with integrity. Honesty. A treating people fairly. And not, not fairly as this fair is, is kind of a, a buzzword because fair can mean whatever you want it to mean. But justice is a very specific and particular word. That's why I think we ought to focus on justice instead of fairness. The founding fathers didn't talk a lot about being fair. Fair depends greatly on your perspective. But they talked about justice. With liberty and justice for all. And so what is justice? Here's a a Webster's 1828 Dictionary definition. Now listen to this closely. It's a little wordy, but boy, this will change your heart. Justice is the virtue which consists in giving to everyone what is his due. Practical conformity to the laws and to the principles of rectitude in dealings with men and with each other. Honesty, integrity in commerce, or mutual intercourse. Basically what it's saying is, Everybody gets treated the same. Everybody gets treated the same. If it's wrong for you, it's wrong for me. If it's right for me, it's right for you. There's not one group over here that has one set of rules and another group over here that has another set of rules and another group over here that has another set of rules and this culture has one set and this demographic has one set. No, no, no. Everybody gets treated the same. Justice also means impartiality, equal distribution of right. Think about that. Consider this. Justice doesn't need any adjectives to describe it. When you start adding adjectives to justice, you begin changing the meaning. For example, vigilante justice. Well, that's not the kind that's not justice. That's a group of people deciding what's right and they're going to make other people pay according to what they think is right. Let me say something that that is a hot topic topic issue and it shouldn't be. The word social justice is a buzzword that changes the meaning of justice. We don't need social justice. We need justice. Think about this. Social justice distorts what is right based on intersectional grievances or perceived insults. When the truth is, if we would just get back to treating everybody the right way, the way God says to treat everybody, you don't need all of these cliques and clans and groups and all of that. There is a group, there has always been evil people that try to divide groups into demographics and pit them against each other. And that's not okay. Uh, Class warfare, bigotry, racism, all of that. There's no place for that in Christianity. There's no place for that at all. Uh, I'm even against this idea of a hate crime. If it's a crime, it's a crime. You know, it's wrong if you kill a white person or a black person or an Asian or an Indian. It's all murder. Is it worse murder because you kill someone from a certain state or a certain town? It's all murder. And it's all punishable the same. Being unkind to people is wrong no matter what color they are or no matter what country they're from. And you see that even the Christians, Jesus had to teach him this. If you remember, Peter, in Acts chapter nine, he's he's up there on the the top of a house and he's talking to God and God sends him a vision. And this this cloud comes down and uh, and and it opens up and, and it's filled with all kinds of unclean things and things that the Jews wouldn't eat ceremonially. Now, remember, when Jesus died on the cross, he nailed the ceremonial law to the cross. So all the, the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament are no longer applicable to us. The moral laws of the Old Testament still apply. All right, so now we can eat pigs, thankfully. Praise God for bacon. Let me just take a moment. I just want to thank God. And uh, that might, if I had been a Jew, uh, bacon probably would have been my downfall. But uh, thank God for that. So imagine, Peter's up there, and this sheet comes down. The sheet opens, and it's filled with all types of unclean things that they weren't allowed to eat. And God said, rise, kill, and eat. Now wait, Peter said, not so, Lord. What was he saying? No, God. No, God? And that happened again. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. God was teaching him that you've always had these prejudices that are not godly. And if God says it's clean, it's clean. If God says to eat it and you're not used to eating it, if God says to do it and you're not used to doing it, if God says not to do it and you're used to doing it, you obey God, not your tradition. So finally... Peter gets it and he says, wow, what God has cleansed, call not thou common. Right after that, these people come to Peter and say there's a Gentile over there that wants to be saved. Now, wait a minute. Before that vision, Peter would have said, I'm not going to go talk to a Gentile. But after that vision, Peter said, now I get it. God's trying to teach me that people aren't unclean because of their culture. They're not unclean because because, uh, they're from a different place. God wants him to be saved too. And Cornelius ends up getting saved in all of his house. Amen. And so justice says, I'm going to apply the truth of God to everybody, regardless of color, regardless of demographic, regardless of culture. The truth is the truth. It's a true justice is an impartial application of God's truth. Now, wait a minute. God says, You know what I want you to do. What do you do today? Do justly. Do justly. Be like Jesus today. Treat everybody like Jesus would treat them. Regardless of who they are, where they come from, all of your preconceived biases and bigotries, do right today. Can you do that? Sure. All of us can do that. Is it hard? Do you have to get past some things? Absolutely. But it certainly can happen. All right, so how do we rise above the drama and live for God today? First of all, do justly. Focus on God's justice. Treat everybody the right way. Try to do right, regardless of the circumstances. Impartial application of God's truth. All right, number two, he says, and to love mercy. Now, this is, is great. Now, we, we all know what mercy is. Mercy is not giving people what they deserve. Okay. Listen to Webster's 1828 Dictionary, and I I love this definition. Mercy is that benevolence, mildness, or tenderness of heart which disposes a person to overlook injuries or treat an offender better than he deserves. Boy, that changed the world, wouldn't it? Treat an offender. I mean, they've done you wrong. They're wrong, so I'm going to make them pay. Oh, that's not your place. So it's, it's that benevolence, mildness, or tenderness of heart which disposes a person to overlook injuries, to treat an offender better than he deserves, the disposition that tempers justice. Now, wait a minute. Mercy is black and white. Justice is black and white. Mercy comes along and tempers justice so that we don't destroy people. Because you can be wrong and I can still treat you with mercy. That's why the Bible says, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged in Proverbs. See, the world needs the truth, but they also need a little bit of mercy. You know, when, when you get saved, and when, when I got saved, man, I was doing so much wrong, I didn't even know where to start. You ever felt like that? You ever look at your life and compare it to the Bible, it's like, Lord, I got so much wrong, I don't even know where to start. Well, well, thankfully, God gives us mercy. And He tells us, start here, and then work on that, and then work on that. But sometimes Christians don't give that to people. It's like, well, well you're wrong here and here and here, so I'm done with you. Well, well no, wait a minute. We gotta give new Christians room to grow, just like I had room to grow. Right? We've gotta give sincere people that are trying to do the right thing but constantly getting it wrong, we gotta give them some space. It doesn't mean we don't give them the truth, but we temper it with mercy. That also means that we need to take difficult people who don't necessarily appreciate our mercy and still be merciful. Because that's what Jesus did. Now, we still follow all the other principles. Sometimes you've got to get some space. Sometimes you've got to have some separation. Sometimes you've got to love someone from a distance because they just keep hurting you over and over and over. You know, I often use the illustration that if you steal my wallet, uh, I'm going to forgive you, but I'm not going to ask you to hold my wallet again. Right? Right? If if you just punch me in the face for no reason, I'm gonna turn the other cheek, but I'm also gonna make sure I'm I'm an arm length away next time we say hi. Right? Uh, so 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 there's a difference between this idea of mercy, and some people take the idea of mercy and they just become like this mat that just they just get walked all over and taken advantage of all the time. That's not the Christian way, but it is the Christian way of forgiveness and mercy and justice and and all of these things. And so uh Mercy induces an injured person to forgive trespasses and injuries and to forbear punishment or to inflict less than law or justice will warrant. I think of the young man who went to the courtroom and he's standing in front of the judge and I mean he's literally shaking. Literally shaking. And the judge looked up from his paperwork and saw him as they were getting ready to start the proceedings and, and the The judge said, don't worry, son, you're going to get justice. And the young man with the squeaky voice looked up and he said, I know, sir, that's what I'm afraid of. But would you throw in a little mercy on the side? And here's a guilty man saying, I know what I deserve. But how about some mercy? And the Bible tells us to love mercy. Do you know it's not your and my job to go around making everybody pay for everything they do wrong? That's God's job. That's law enforcement's job. You and I don't have to to make people pay. Uh, and, and be careful this even in your marriage. Well, you said something mean to me, so I'm going to say something mean to you. You gave me the cold shoulder, so I'm going to give you the cold shoulder. You did this to me, so I'm going to do this to you. Well, you know what? The strong Christian gives a little bit of mercy. You did this to me, and it was wrong. I love you, and I forgive you, and I'm not going to do it back. I hate to bring Christianity into the thing, <laughs> Right? But this is, this is the Christian way. I was talking to someone recently and, and I've had this conversation a hundred times and they're like, you know, I, I get tired of always having to be the one that, that, that's, that's the bigger person there that does the right thing. And, and I was just very honest with them and said, you know, being a good Christian means a lot of times you're going to get the short end of the stick. It means you apologize first. It means you say, I'm sorry. It means that you do right whenever other people aren't doing right. But that's part of being the Christian. And by the way, somebody has to take that or you get the mess you got today where everybody just stands their ground and says, I'm not moving and all the rest of you are evil. It's, it went from being we disagree with you but we can work together to uh, we, we think you're wrong but let's try to find common ground to we think you're wrong that I can't work with you to now you're not only wrong but you're evil. I mean, do you see the digression of how people treat each other? And this is a common thing whenever you take God's word and Christian morality out of the mix. Culture gets to be this, uh, this almost, it's almost like this jungle justice of man the lion. If he wants to eat you, he's going to eat you. And if the snake wants to bite you, he's going to bite you. This, this just take what you can and, and draw your lines and fight to the death and, and all of that. Boy, that's not the way we want to live. And so how do, we, how do we rise above the drama? So we said we do justly. We apply God's law to everybody the same. You know, if my kids do wrong, they're still wrong. They're not right because they're my kids. I don't give them a pass because they're my kids. If someone I love does wrong, then they still did wrong. I don't give them a pass because they love kids. Now, b- because I love them, now we might find some mercy. We might, we might be able to instill and say, listen this is wrong and, and this is the punishment that you've got coming and let me help you work through this because you're, you're, you're going to uh, get yourself in trouble with the law or you're going to have the, the, the blessing of God removed from you. You're going to have God's chastisement. All of that. See, judgment just pronounces right or wrong. Mercy says, how can I help you get back right? And the Bible talks about loving mercy. We ought, As Christians, we ought not have this idea Of loving it when people are punished, of loving it when people get their due, of man, I can't wait until you get yours. You know, these ideas of jealousy and envy and malice, those are all sins. But we ought to love mercy. Now, that doesn't mean we change the rules to give people mercy, it just means we love mercy in the application of justice. So, you see how it all works together? Some people say, I love you so much the rules don't apply. Well, that's not love. That's an injustice. And so these things work together. Now, let's look at this last thing. All right, so Micah 6, 8, what can we do? Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with thy God. Now, what does that mean? Humility is an attribute of the Lord Jesus. Philippians 2, 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus to walk humbly means to walk in a humble ma- manner with mild sub- uh, submissiveness you know humility reminds me when i am being <clears throat> when i am walking humble with god i'm reminded that i'm just an unprofitable servant of god i'm not a despotic ruler i'm not judge and jury and executioner my purpose in life is to exalt god and spread his truth not go around instilling in the world what I think the world ought to be. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not the light. That doesn't mean we're not the salt. That doesn't mean we don't have our Christian influence. It just means that I'm walking humbly with God. And I realize it's God that's in charge of all that stuff. He's got to make it happen. I do my little part in obeying him, but I'm going to walk humbly. Uh, Romans 14.4, if, you, if you're writing something down, write that verse down. It's a great verse it says, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holding up, for God is able to make him stand. Now, wait a minute. The word judge is one of the, the most misused words in the Christian vocabulary. People get into sin and they say, Don't judge me. And I, years ago, I started this, and I've said it countless times. I, I, someone will say, Don't, I'll, you know, we'll be talking about something. I'll say, Well, the Bible says that's wrong. And they'll say, don't judge me. And I'll say, I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you what the judge said. Right? If God's already made a judgment on it, it's not me judging you. It's God judging you. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us to judge righteous judgment. It's impossible for you and I to look around and not make judgments on things. The idea is, though, that I don't get into the place of a scorner or I don't get into the place of God looking into people's hearts, determining their motives that I can't possibly know, uh, putting putting uh, the consequences. I can say, look, we know where this is leading. God tells us where this is going. But as soon as you set yourself up as judge and jury, you just took God's seat. And you're in trouble. That's the place of a scorner. They sit down, and they're, they're the judge now. And God says, I have... Judgments prepared for scorners. There's special disciplines reserved for scorners. Now, that doesn't mean we don't say that. The Bible says that's right. The Bible says this is wrong. That doesn't mean we don't make any judgments at all. It just means we know we're not the judge. Does that make sense to you? All right. Uh, so <coughs> I realize that while I'm walking humbly with my God, it's not my job to police the world. I have my hands full trying to live for God myself. We must stand against sin. Sometimes we have to point out compromise. Sometimes we have to fight for the truth. But it should always be done with a humble heart. And in our world today, in our Christian world today, there's far too little of pointing people to the book. There's far too much of just letting everything go. Well, God loves everybody. Well, that doesn't mean everything goes. Well, we're under grace. Grace is not a license for you to sin. Grace is a license for you to be free from sin so you can serve God and be better. Not a license for you. You don't pull out your sin card. Well, grace, license to sin. No, that's foolishness. So we, we have to stand strong. We have to, to preach hard against things. And you're going to see your preacher, I, I will raise my voice and I will stand strong and I will be immovable on certain things because God is. But at the same time, we don't do that from a place of, of being the judge ourselves. We don't do that from a, a sense of I am better than you because I know the truth. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And but for the grace of God, I might be in that position. And so we walk humbly with God. What does that mean? It means every day, regardless of the chaos in this world, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to get my Bible. I'm going to read some Bible. I'm going to ask God to talk to me. I'm going to take time to pray. Very few days in my life that I don't start my day, not just praying, but I'll get on my knees in the morning, As a symbol of my humility and submissiveness to God. And I'll get on my knees and say, God, I'm on my knees because you're God and I'm not. And you're my Lord. And I belong to you. And I'll pray for my family. A lot of times I'll pray first in the bedroom, then go later. I'll pray for my wife and I'll I'll be by the bed and she's right there. I'll pray for her. And in my mind, I'll go to my son's room and pray for him. And I'll go to my daughter's room and pray for them. I'll come to the church and I'll, I'll pray for you all. Just walking humbly with God. Then try to get up off my knees and during the day keep in mind what would God want? How would I live today if God was with me? Because do you know that He is? God is with you? It would change our lives if we would just realize He's promised to never leave you nor forsake you. That means He is with you. How would you, What would you do this afternoon if Jesus Christ was in the car next to you? Where would you go? What would you put on the screen today if, if you knew that Jesus was on the couch next to you? How would you talk if Jesus was a part of that conversation? How would you talk to your spouse or your kids or your buddies? See, walking, with, walking humbly with God is, I'm going to be humble today because I realize... I serve and I want to walk with you every day and and Amos 3.3 says can two walk together except they be agreed the answer is no if you and God are going different directions you can't walk with God right if you and God are going different places you can't walk with God I think walking with God was part of you coming to church this morning you know where God is at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings you know where he would be you know where Jesus would be right now if he were in town, I think he'd be sitting right here. Actually, I'd be sitting there. He'd be standing here. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be listening to him happily. But see how that, that tempers you with humility, and it just changes who you are. Now, I say all that to say this. Let's bring it around full circle. You're going to walk out these doors, and there is a world of drama waiting to suck you in. You're going to go to work tomorrow and there's politics in the office and there's weirdos at, at work trying to drag you into all their mess. And you've got to decide whether or not you're going to get, you might be the weirdo, I don't know. You're lo- If you're looking around saying, no, there's nobody like that at my work, that's because you're the guy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? Nobody like that in my house. Uh. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're going to turn on the TV? Drama. Social media? Drama. I'm not saying that you cut yourself off from that and live like an Amish person. I'm saying that you have this anchor that says, I'm not going to get sucked in, I'm going to rise above it all because I'm going to do justly, I'm going to love mercy, and I'm going to walk humbly with God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thanks for the... Chance to get in your word today. Thank you for the example of of Micah and the truth that you gave us. I think this could be a help to all of us as we strive to please you. We want so badly to bring you glory, and yet, Lord, we're so susceptible to the drama. You know, there's a part of us that loves the rush of the gossip, that loves the, the, the chaos, that wants to be right in the middle of all of that. And Lord, I pray that we would subdue the flesh, and we would not get drawn into the chaos of this world because it, it discourages us, and it can actually draw us away from walking with you. I mean, how many people aren't in church today because they got not aren't necessarily our church, but I mean all over that got caught up in the drama of someone else's life, or they they got their eyes off of you and put them on on a person instead of keeping them on you or they're just so discouraged and depressed today because of everything going on in this world. Lord, we know that You are supreme. You are the God of all. You have everything under control. And You've told us what to do. We know what to do. Lord, help us. Give us grace and strength to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with You. I pray today if there's someone here that's not sure they're saved, that today would be the day of salvation. Please, Lord. Help us to focus on you and spread your truth as we go about uh, our week. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I wonder, maybe have you gotten a little bit too deep into the drama? Maybe you're really discouraged about things at work or a lot of drama in the house. Or maybe the world, you're, you're discouraged about the news and, or other people's things. I mean, you're, you're so invested in things going on that, that really are, are outside of your life. They're outside of your circle. Maybe today you just give all that to Jesus. and Say, Lord, help me. Help me not to get drawn into the drama. Help me to rise above it all and to live for you every day. Help me find this balance between justice and mercy. Help me to stand for right and be strong and unwavering and uncompromising, but help me to love mercy and, and love people. And find that balance that Christ had heads are bowed eyes are closed let's stand <clears throat>